0: doing another edition of the gobeski wallace part my name is adam gobeski i understand i have to do this really fast so
1: next i'm charlie wallace and it's very special welcome to our two guests paul wilcox great to be here and doug gobeski
0: i'm having a wonderful time all right we can probably probably slow down now now. (laughs) (laughs) so should we do it yeah let's get into it all right yeah because uh you are hereby welcomed everyone to episode 21 of our merry marvel movie march we are still Currently in 2005, as we are watching the movie Fantastic Four, which came out in July of 2005. This is our final 2005 film. And yes, this is the second attempt to bring the Fantastic Four to cinema screens. And the first a successful one <laughs> in that the movie was released. Um, but before we launch into that properly, uh, I do want to note that a couple of... Installments ago, we talked about Electra and somehow forgot to mention that that was Marvel's first solo female superhero film. So I just wanted to make it clear that, oh, by the way, in case you hadn't realized, that was Marvel's first female solo superhero film. So far, only. <laughs> so yeah I was going to say, what's the second? Because <laughs> I one, can't
2: come up with anything.
0: The second one is Captain Marvel, due out next year. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm. So yeah, first Fantastic Four film to actually reach movie screens. The way it sounded was apparently after the uh, failed attempt in 1994, they more or less immediately got to work trying to create another Fantastic Four movie. Uh, initially, apparently, Chris Columbus, the director, was attached at some point before he finally decided, uh, like, not to do it completely, or maybe just like step back to a producer credit which is why randomly chris columbus has a producer credit on this film and then just sounds like you know just ran through a bunch of script iterations and various directors attached before they finally settled on this script and uh, tim story as the director tim story i think probably better known as a comedy director honestly he uh, was the director of things like barbershop and taxi he's done the ride-along movies think like a man which uh, probably explains why this movie has a a more comedic tone, I would say, than some of the other movies.
3: Yes, it did.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I it, would disagree. But wait, what are you disagreeing on? The it fact didn't, that it, it didn't really
2: seem like a comedic tone; it was more of a fun movie. Hmm, okay, like it wasn't like it wasn't trying to be a comedy. It wasn't going for. For here's jokes, just for laughs, it was more here's jokes, but, you know, but they're all fun stuff. Like like none of them were like terribly out of
1: place, stupid jokes, in my opinion. So they're just trying to lighten things up rather than yeah, go for uh, punchlines.
3: It definitely had less of a, you know, of a grim, dark feel than some of the movies we've watched recently.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, so at least a lighter touch than otherwise. Yes. Say.
3: Yes. That I'll agree with. More bright daytime scenes.
0: <laughs> and
1: the writer of this film is Mark Frost, and it took me a while to realize where I'd heard of him from. He is the co-creator of Twin Peaks. Oh. oh. So this is really strange to see his <laughs> name associated with this. I had to look up on IMDb. I was like, where do I? Oh, okay. I mean, I-, I guess a very versatile writer, so I guess there's
0: no reason to believe that this should be the same sort of film. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's ask the question we always ask: Had you seen this movie before? Paul?
3: Um, you know, I don't think so, other than somewhat recently, I very casually, while doing something else, watched the uh, Riff Tracks version oh. uh, sometime a couple years ago.
4: Well,
0: I guess that kind of counts. Oh,
1: just just had
3: Tsunami st- Aftermath in the background.
1: <laughs> you know. So he has to be careful about how he how he riffs off this episode then in order to not steal material. I'd be worried. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wait, did I just A make that up
3: there? I was very partially watching it. Oh, okay. So it's almost like I didn't really get, didn't really internalize any of the riffs. I just <laughs> visually saw some of the things that happened. So I was like, Oh yeah, the bridge scene. Sweet. Oh, they're probably riffing on this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've seen it before. Um, I'm not sure if I saw it in theaters or not. Did you and I see this together, Adam? I don't believe so, because
0: I think I only saw it in theaters once, and it was not mm, with you. Okay.
2: And it still doesn't rule it out, though. But I know I've seen it at least a couple times before, although several scenes that I was expecting to see, uh, I guess, were from the sequel. Ah. So it wasn't quite a crystal clear memory in my head.
0: Yeah, it should be established that we watched the theatrical cut, not the extended cut that apparently exists. So uh, I had seen this movie before. I saw it in theaters with Charlie.
2: Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Is the, is the extended cut the Mr. Fantastic edition? I don't know. Because it's extended.
0: <laughs> you interrupted me for a <laughs> lame ass pun like that. Yes. <laughs> Again, how do we mute individuals? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Charlie and I uh saw this movie together in a theater in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, with
1: Alex and uh Charlie's brother yeah, I actually didn't remember that at all. What I remember is that I did see this movie, and the proof that I did was that I wrote a little article on my m s u website at the time, talking exclusively about the hand dryers in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. I think I was claiming that it was going to be a review and then if you actually opened it up it was me talking about because that was around the time that I first started actually seeing like the high powered hand dryers
0: you know, oh, like yeah. the accelerator well...
1: style and I was just floored by it.
0: I absolutely remember this because you stuck your face under it to get like the astronaut <laughs> and, like the astronaut, like lips blowing yes. effect. And that's the moment at which someone else chose to enter the bathroom <laughs> to see you attempting to fillet one of these drivers. <laughs> Did they just turn around and walk back out? I think they just sort of paused, and then Alex and I just burst into laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you what Charlie did.
1: Yeah, but that's what I remember. <laughs> that's what I remember about this. Although uh, I did catch it probably on cable at some point. Definitely watching it this time around. I'm like, I've seen this sometime in the last couple of years, but sort of in a pull way where it was on in the background. I wasn't paying tons of attention.
0: Yeah, the most recent time that I saw it was uh, would have been 2015 because Brian and I went to see the, the most recent to this point Fantastic Four movie, which was really, really, really bad. Not that I'm biasing anyone in the future, here, <laughs> but when we eventually get to that. But uh, Brian and I went to see that movie and then we were like, that was awful. Like, let's watch a decent Fantastic Four movie. So we, walked, we threw this in instead. Uh, the other thing I remember from Fantastic Four is actually sitting in the movie theater ahead of time where at this point, like they showed you like trivia things and there was something about Ashton Kutcher's brother or something came up and either me or Alex, I don't remember who at this point said, maybe he got all the talent in the family
4: mm-hmm.
0: instead of Ashton. And then the guy behind us said, there is no talent in that family <laughs> so
2: this movie harkens back to a time where you went to the movie theater and you saw Maria Menounos in the movie itself rather than before the the movie before even the the trailers.
0: That is true. Oh, yes. yeah, I was
1: going to say she seemed kind of familiar. This is first play, with
2: Maria Menounos.
0: Oh. She's in this movie? Carrie Washington's in this movie? Yeah, that surprised me. I was Which not expecting that.
2: was Carrie Washington?
0: She's Alicia Masters. Okay. Ben Grimm's Duh. blind Duh. Uh, interest, love interest, for going on to be hugely successful because of scandal. I mean, there's a couple like uh, motocross racers or something, but oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably about it. Other than, you know, Stan Lee as the postman, Willie Lumpkin,
4: oh, who, is yeah.
0: a, who is a character from the comic book, the Fantastic Four comic book. So So Stanley actually gets to play one of the characters he created instead of just a random cameo. Is that his only time doing that? Uh, It might be. If I remember correctly, he'll play himself in the Fantastic Four sequel. And that might be it.
3: Wait, he plays himself? He he plays Stan Lee, I believe. So that movie has fourth wall breaking
0: right because the comic book had fourth wall breaking the comic book that that movie is partially based on
3: oh interesting
0: yeah
1: Mm. apparently not as interesting as it sounds but
3: (laughs) yeah oh yeah i'm well i'm just trying not to spoil it (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah interesting
4: Mm.
0: but that might be about it unless you count him sort of maybe possibly kind of being a watcher in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But that's more a uh, internet in-joke, I think, than, than anything else. So what were people expecting going into this? I remember thinking it was kind
1: of a middling movie. Like, I don't remember like being over the moon about it, but I don't remember hating it either. I was willing to be convinced that this was a really splendid movie that I just hadn't appreciated at the time.
3: You know, I didn't have a lot of experience with it, so... I was about expecting more or less what what I got kind of maybe a, you know, just a little more slightly more lighthearted Marvel movie.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, like I said, I saw it, you know, three years ago. So, you know, it was reasonably fresh in my mind, I think. But, uh, yeah, I was also expecting, you know, the fun, relatively entertaining, perhaps not super substantial movie. But, you know, not every movie has to be a deep Meaningful classic, right? Sometimes, sometimes you can just have like a nice fun romp that you then tear apart on your podcast for no (laughs) discernible reason.
3: You're you're speaking my language.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Would that be Howard the Duck?
3: (laughs) Hey, I'm the only one who didn't tear that apart.
0: (laughs) I'm actually referring to uh, Twitch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid.
3: Oh yeah. Where they spent the
0: entire podcast like expecting like, I don't know, some deep meaningful important film. And then we're like angry that they just got like a fun romp. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, What is this? This is terrible.
2: This is what, the latest cinematic respect or something? It is, yes. But yeah, no, I was expecting fun and Doctor Doom. Oh, okay. Well.
0: Yeah, uh I get the feeling that At the time, this movie got sort of panned, and I think part of the reason it got panned was because it's fairly light. You know, it it feels more, like, humorous and fun and rather than, like, deep and meaningful. And for whatever reason, people didn't appreciate that as much.
4: What year was
0: Batman Begins? Also 2005. Hmm. Okay. June 2005, so it would have been the month before. Okay. So, it's very possible, yeah, that people run like a Batman Begins High, and then they were confronted with this and were like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So, I I do wonder if people would perhaps look upon this a little more kindly now.
3: I could see that. Like, there's a lot that reminds me of the modern MCU about it to some extent.
1: Yeah, I thought the exact same thing that it felt almost there. There were certain, like, stamps, I think, that were missing from it, but. I think production value wise, it was it's getting a lot closer,
0: not even just production wise, but I mean, just in like terms of like characterization and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. I'm going to throw a real hot take at
2: you here. Two things. First one is this movie kind of reminded me of the 2008 Iron Man in that, you know, the the bad guy that you have is is not. Like at least in this one, Doc- Doctor Doom isn't you know this huge super oppressive figure throughout the whole thing. He's just kind of you know having his origin story as a supervillain at the same time as these guys are becoming superheroes. So so you just you don't have that weird oppressive feeling hanging over it like you get with say an X Men movie where you know Magneto's out there causing trouble, stirring things up. Yeah. And one of the defining features of the Fantastic Four comic books is that, you know, they I I mean, I guess slightly contrary to what I said before, they do often deal with giant world ending, you know, huge consequences stuff. But it's also about the little things, too. It's about how at the end of the day, they're really just telling the story of a family. And yeah, you see that in the interplay between the different characters here in the movie. And the other thing is that to kind of springboard off of what Charlie was saying that, you know, it's got that kind of proto version of what they do in the modern MCU movies. I feel like this movie actually did it better because like the lighthearted stuff feels sincere here. And it also feels like it really works with the story. Like it's all advancing the characterization of these people. I would say, for instance, the shaving cream bit would be an excellent example of
0: that. I guess, what are you comparing it to that you think it works better than?
2: I don't know. Like the modern stuff, you get kind of just weird things like, like uh, in Black Panther, the what are those bit, where it's just kind of like
0: incongruous. I'm not sure I agree with you, at least with your specific examples, but I see sort of what you're getting at. It doesn't have that awkward quippiness
2: feel that so many of the Disney stuff nowadays has, where it's like, here's this dark movie and we're just going to, you know, lighten things up with some some quips to make you, you know, not reflect on how utterly terrible what's actually going on is. Ah, I see. Whereas whereas like in this one, I mean, what are the stakes? The stakes are, you know. I mean, maybe we might die because of these effects, but, you know, we don't think we're going to, but Ben Grimm has certainly had his life turned upside down and we need to fix that. And, you know, I guess unbeknownst to us, same thing
1: going on with Victor Von Doom, but it's not world ending stakes. So I haven't seen either of the Ant-Man movies, but I've heard people when they compliment the Ant-Man movies talk about the same sort of thing you're saying, which is that, you know, the stakes aren't necessarily the whole world is going to be destroyed and that kind of allows the whole thing to be lightened up a bit and i agree yeah there's not this whole cloud hanging over you the whole time
3: it makes the jokes jokes land a little better like more believable that they might make jokes in those situations
0: yeah but i do actually remember at the time and maybe it's still the case i do know that one of the other complaints in addition to it being you know somewhat jokey was also, I believe, that the stakes weren't actually that high and that it kind of seems like a very extended origin story and they contrasted that, I believe, with stuff like the Spider-Man movies, where it seems a little more self contained before you move on to the next part. Um, I see that, for sure. It is the case, right, that, like, you know, they get their powers in the first 15 minutes but then they spend probably the next 45 minutes almost like, sort of slowly realizing they have these powers and you know, working out how they work and that kind of stuff, which I personally don't mind. I actually kind of like that slower buildup, but I could see how other people might be like, get on with it. Right. And then the stakes are just like, yeah. Oh, by the way, our investor is also apparently having problems and he's crazy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Flashback to what was it? Spider-Man one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Investors causing all a bunch of trouble for people. Yeah, I I think the takeaway from the Marvel universe, right, is just like capitalism in general causing all sorts of problems. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, did you want funding? Too bad. (laughs) But we're not going to
2: shut you down right away. We're going to give you a week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That should be enough time for a crazy plot. Turning your keys to your lab
0: on Monday but you can keep them for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why uh, Norman Osborn and Victor Von Doom don't just maintain 51% of their companies. (laughs) 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 I mean, it seemed a little different in this movie in that it seemed like their outside funding was going to maybe be withdrawn, although then it kind of turned into we're kicking you out of your company, so I'm not sure. But yeah, it just seems like... Oh, hey, if you're running a big company like this, maybe you should just guarantee that you have the 51% stock so that when, you know, you get caught saying racist things on conference calls, they can't push you out and force you <laughs> to create your <around> own truth or <laughs> about uh, how you're, you know, you're the true Papa John's. Just to <laughs>
3: hypothetically speak. <here>. This is... <laughs> hey, you can make a movie hey, out of this. Hey, <laughs>
2: the,
3: the Papa true- John's story.
2: The true Papa John's is the one in Lansing, always in my heart, specifically in the form of plaque. I feel like that downtown one might still be around. I think so. I haven't been there in a while because I don't live in the area anymore. I mean, I I
3: had, when did I have, I had Papa John's not that long ago. It was not my doing.
2: Like the (laughs) real Papa John's, not, not Papiano's?
3: No, it was, it was Papa John's. Nice. I was like, "Oh, so this is what Papa John's pizza is like?" Because I, I was
2: those little those little pepperonis that turn into little cups.
3: Yeah, the little cup. Yeah, that, that, was, that was different. That was different.
0: Yeah, that's my Papa John's. But I think for me, what really makes this movie like the reason I'm willing to cut it actually a fair amount of slack is that I just really do enjoy the interplay between the four Fantastic Four members. So Chris Evans here making his Marvel debut as Human Torch. Uh, I think his interplay with Ben Grimm, Michael Chiklis, you know, as the thing, I think that's like handled really well. Like that really captures the spirit of like the comics. I like the how uh, young Griffith plays, uh, plays Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards. I think that's like really well done. Um, I'm less convinced, honestly, by Jessica Alba as Invisible Woman, but it's weird. It's like, some some scenes she's like really good and like totally fine. Another scene, slightly stilted, almost like she hasn't quite got a handle on how to deliver whatever particular line she's giving. But it's it. There's not like consistent of like oh like she can't do like the scientific dialogue or you know tender moments or something like that. It seemed it seemed very inconsistent. Like maybe just like oh these were the shots filmed on a certain day and she only had. Do, do you have an example? Uh. Cause I didn't really notice it myself, is why I'm asking.
2: So I'm trying to like figure out what, what you were keying in on.
0: Um so when she's talking to uh Victor in the space station, um like when he's like kind of preparing to propose, she sort of feels like she's almost like too precise with her words. <laughs> Like she's Mm -hmm. and it's like not like she's choosing her words carefully, but like she's like I'm running lines right now. Almost is how it feels. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then occasionally occasionally there's like a scene or two with like Reed Richards where she feels that way, too. But then there's other scenes with Reed Richards, like about like broadly similar stuff where she seems completely natural. So and then obviously the uh, let's not fight. Yes, let's um, exchange is kind of poor, but I'm not convinced that's her fault. (laughs) Oh, see, I actually enjoyed that bit. It was a little corny, but... It's a lot corny. Oh, come on, it's
1: Fantastic Four. I read through some, through some trivia for this movie, and it's funny that you mentioned those things specifically, because one, th- one of the things I read said, Jessica Alba had a kidney infection during the filming and nearly fainted when she was with Julian McMahon in the space station scene.
4: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Wow.
0: Okay. All right. So we 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 explained it. Great. Yeah. Then, Man,
1: I think some other parts were saying too that certain <laughs> scenes with uh Yo and Griffith, they weren't in the same location. Like they had to shoot them separately for some reason.
0: Oh, because she was recovering or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that could go yeah. <laughs> at least wow. a decent amount of the way
3: explaining that. that I yeah, thought that, it was really that, funny that it comes together. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: but yeah, I, I just I think though in general the, the interplay among the, the four fantastic four members is handled really well oh, yeah. and i i i personally have a lot of time for this movie because i think that's so fun like there's a no point where i'm just like oh my gosh guys come on or anything like that i'm like yeah give me more character i really love
2: the squeezes an entire bag of oranges at the same time with his fists <laughs> and just as he's about to drink it up oh, johnny storm walks up and takes it
0: away <laughs> See, the main See, thing that was
2: the- a beautiful gag
0: it is. It's just that the main thing I think about when I see that scene is the Simpsons, Troy McClure, and <laughs> yeah, me too. juicer machine, where he like puts an entire bag of oranges in, you know, there's a machine on it, it's super loud, and it's like, it's Whisper Quiet! <laughs> and then, like, one drop comes out, and he's like, you got all that juice out of a bag of oranges? <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yes, I agree. I, I, I think that timing between like chris evans and michael chick was you know also really well done yeah right like it runs at the right pace it doesn't feel awkward where like jokes aren't quite landing or something like that or you know they're like slightly sloppy in their movements yeah i would agree i'd say that's the highlight
1: of the movie for me my favorite part is their interaction together
0: and chris evans too at the time
1: i mean i think it was probably the first thing i saw him in so i was definitely a a little bit more receptive to him this time and yeah i I thought he was great. I think even specifically as far as acting, he was my favorite.
3: Like I really enjoyed when uh, when they were you know first all waking up after the <laughs> the space accident and he, you know he comes in like I legit like fell for it and
4: laughed pretty hard <laughs> gag. like
3: because my brain was actually kind of expecting a more serious tone because it wasn't it hadn't like necessarily established itself as very goofy until that point. I feel like. And I was just yeah. like, "Oh, that caught me by surprise."
0: I do have a question though. Do you think that it's just a coincidence that Johnny Storm had a vanity license plate torched, or do you think he like, <laughs> I, thought about it. I was like,
4: How'd you get that?" <laughs>
0: or do you think he like got his powers and immediately like you know phoned into you know the New York <laughs> Motor Vehicle Department or whatever it's called in New first York First things first, <laughs> and was just like, "I need this vanity plate." <laughs>
2: You know, that might be the one time where where that would truly be an act of vanity. Like, <laughs> like I could see that actually happening, is the thing. And of course, he'd be hitting on the uh, person on the other end of the line as well. Or if it was in person, <laughs> the receptionist. <laughs> you can just picture the scene in your head, right? Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that uh, the police's first reaction to really anything, is to point a gun at it. Well. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez, come on, guys.
0: Yeah. I think a little more uh, poignant now than it maybe was 13 years ago. Yeah. Or at least like in terms of like cultural consciousness, at least.
2: Yeah. I did point out that uh, they pointed guns at the Fantastic Four, but it wasn't until they encountered Dr. Doom with his hoodie on that they moved to the... Uh, Shooting
0: those guns. No uh, things. I, I mean, yes, I, I, y- your joke is correct, but to be accurate, they do shoot thing on the bridge scene. They do. Yeah, it, it like really. Pains, it pains off his shoulder as he's running. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, we should we should talk about Victor Von Doom though, because I think for me he's probably the weakest part of this movie, and I don't think it's Julian McMahon's fault. I think it's just the way it's written. So I'm not nearly as
1: familiar with the comics as the rest of you, but so in the movie Victor Von Doom just comes across as mean and vindictive the entire time. I mean, they were supposed to be... Him and Reed Richards were supposed to be colleagues at some point, right? I mean, that comes up, but you don't get the impression that there was any goodwill between them ever at all.
0: Well, I think that's actually true in the comics, right? Um, Yeah. in In the comics, Victor Von Doom and Reed Richards are college roommates, and Victor Von Doom is super stuck up and convinced of his own superiority, like super arrogant. That arrogance in the comics is what ends up disfiguring him and causing him to have to wear the mask and stuff. Uh, modulo, slight retcons about how scarred he gets in the accident. But I think for me, the problem in with Victor Von Doom in this movie is that he's actually not over the top enough.
1: Really? Okay. Yes.
0: He, yes. He, he also has fun moments, but not not in like the over-the-top, you know, blowing his trumpet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> version, right? where he's just like he can actually make like little quips and stuff and you know comic von doom's not a quipper so
2: yeah like comic von doom is arrogant and largely lacks self-awareness when it comes to that arrogance like like to him it's just yeah no i'm i really am better than you people
1: you really are beneath me Oh, so I guess I don't know. That's and, how this came across to me. Though way
0: into theatrics. Well, it's also the case that in the comics he can back it up because he literally rules a country. Yeah, right? no, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's like genuinely the ruler of a country with like diplomatic immunity and all that stuff, right? Yeah,
2: and he has like he's a he's a super genius on the same level as Reed Richards as well. He's or, just so arrogant that you know he he doesn't ever believe he makes mistakes. So when he makes mistakes, they blow up in his face.
0: Whereas in this, right, they try to transfer that from being the leader of a country to the leader to, you know, the leader of a company, you know, being a CEO. But I think that actually kind of weakens the character a little bit. I think it I think it works in that it makes it a little more believable why these two would ever like, you know, even talk to each other in the first place.
1: But I almost wish that they had gone completely with taking out the Latveria stuff then, because they have one mention of it as an aside like, oh, why don't you go back to latveria which they haven't even mentioned like anywhere else in the movie, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then we see him at the end on the ship headed there, but like it's just thrown in there.
0: Hold on, what right. about the mask? Oh yeah, the mask says that it's a, a word like the, for the from the people of latveria or something okay, like that. Okay. But Yeah,
1: the plaque beneath the mask. I'm saying it doesn't really work in the movie and doesn't really have any place in the movie. Or, oh, you're right okay. adam they could yeah. have just okay i mean he's the head of this company so that's enough power i suppose for him to have to move yeah, things but, forward
0: but on the other hand i guess it it almost feels like you know one of more of those like you know fun in jokes for the fans that doesn't necessarily need to be explained you know the sorts of things that the mcu does nowadays right and then you know maybe they'll later pick it up down the line as an actual plot point or something yeah I you know it- like uh like you know, for instance, Guardians of the Galaxy to use a movie you've actually seen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> right. Like at the end where uh, Yondu makes some quip about Peter Quill's dad. Right. You know, could have potentially just been left, you know, just as a, you know, a quip, you know, on a side. And then they just chose to make that actually part of the sequel instead. Right. But in some ways, the Various stuff just feels the same way to me. Of just like, this could be important later. It could just be, you know, fan service doesn't need to be touched mm. upon. But I think, yeah, I think the problem is that they actually make Von Doom in this movie too human. Really? He, okay. He's he's not arrogant enough. Now, I don't know if that would have actually worked plot wise, given the rest of the story that we got. But just for Von Doom as a character, like he just needs to be a lot more serious. Like he should not really have a sense of humor or even necessarily be aware of what humor is. Right. Because he's like so like powerful. Right. And stuff that he doesn't need to use humor as a defense ne- mechanism because why would he ever need defenses you know that kind of thing
1: yeah so since i'm not as familiar with the comic as do you all i guess i'll have to trust you on that because his introduction in this movie i thought was a bit too much it was just like haha i've got reed Richards standing in front of me and now he's begging me for money i'm like that's you know i understand we're well, making this guy out to be evil but it's just i think the most I straightforward th- way to do that that can imagine
0: well but I, I think i'm that's sort of like getting to what i'm saying right is like if they had actually leaned into that the whole movie
1: i see it yep. m-
0: might have worked better but they kind of tried to have it both ways i see like where they do have moments like that but they also try to have moments where he's like hey he's just a regular guy right he can make jokes
1: yeah no i, I get yeah i do see that if they had gone over the top even it would have come around the other side for me maybe
2: it's like he's a—he's not as cartoonish here as he is in yeah. the comics.
0: Yeah, larger than life.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I will—I will say this: when he's got the Doom armor on, he doesn't do as good of a job of emoting as the guy from the '94 Fantastic Four <laughs> movie.
0: Oh, Joseph Culp. Yeah, <laughs> that
2: guy. That guy knew how to just be really broad in his acting, so that you could get something across
4: <laughs> when your <laughs>
2: face was you
0: know, not visible. (laughs) I mean, I sort of do appreciate how they try to tie Von Doom's origin in with the Fantastic Four in this. So that's not something that happens in the original comics. I think that might actually happen in Ultimate Fantastic Four. And I think in Ultimate Fantastic Four, he actually does, Dr. Doom does get like covered in metal and he may actually have electricity power. So I think some of the stuff that comes up in this movie for Dr. Doom is actually more Ultimate Dr. Doom rather than main marvel continuity dr doom i mean this is
2: all well and good but i'm i'm still holding out for a doom 2099 characterization where doom's the good guy
0: uh, you know (laughs) at at some point i would have said you know that'll always be the dream um but marvel recently has a tendency to you know make movies that no one ever thought they'd make (laughs) so in this
2: post guardians of the
0: galaxy world we live in yeah, so, you know, <laughs> maybe they'll go 2099. Who knows? <laughs> and then they, You know, then the big crossover is like the 2099ers go back in time or the old heroes go forward in time or whatever, right? Just here, Kevin Feige, call me. We got this plotted <laughs> out for you. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on Dr. Doom, Paul?
3: Um, He didn't really strike me as too remarkable a villain i just remember like all of the whenever it would cut his scenes i'd be like yeah this is where i'm less interested because there's not you know the fun interactions going on i don't know he came across as just like a little bit more like angsty or something than i would have expected dr doom to be but it was a serviceable villain
0: i also felt that the the end of the movie had a very superman 2 vibe to it and that like dr doom wanders into the city and announces his presence and then like a battle ensues involving like cars and buses and things which is a lot like the metropolis fight in superman 2 between uh superman and the the phantom zone criminals general zod and those guys so Uh,
2: i'm I'm confused because uh because reed richards didn't snap uh dr doom's neck in this superman 2 not man of steel oh the original superman 2
4: Gotcha.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Not Superman 2, 2. <laughs> They're going to the Final Fantasy system now.
0: Well, that's actually would be Superman 2, 3, because there is a Superman 2, 2. Oh, oh well, yeah. What's that? That's the Richard the Donner cut. cut. Yeah, the director's cut. Oh.
3: so
2: I actually don't remember the ending of Superman 2, to be honest. So I'm having a hard. I, that's why I'm having a hard time with your comparison, and why I went to Man of Steel instead. Because like for me, the only stuff that really sticks out about Superman 2 was uh, the Fortress of Solitude stuff and the losing his powers stuff.
0: Well, I think part of that is because I recently watched rewatched Superman 2 when uh, Margot Kidder died. So. Oh, okay, so it's it's a lot fresher in your memory. Yeah. Okay. And then you know Charlie famously on superman too so (laughs) this movie should make more of an effort to get first time viewers on board (laughs) (laughs) for all those people who don't know who superman is yeah
1: like me (laughs) because they've been living
2: in I guess, not America all their lives? <laughs> Apparently. What's what's the market penetration in the 80s of Superman outside of America? We need to do the research.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested what people think about Ben Grimm being a large focus of this movie. I'd forgotten about that. We're maybe at least a half hour we're following him around and, and his experiences with becoming the thing and his fiance breaking up with him and this whole plot about von doom making this sort of rivalry between him and reed richards so i I just completely forgotten that any of that stuff had happened
0: i really appreciated it because i feel like the thing's story here is actually probably the emotional core of the movie he's the one who's the worst off by this change right? right like it literally breaks up his engagement right he can't hold anything or you know use utensils right which a lot of times is played for comedy right but still like sucks
3: he has a drinking problem
4: (laughs) right
0: (laughs) so i actually you know i didn't mind that at all because it it rooted the movie for me in some way rather than just like oh there's these wacky characters flying around like if it like focused solely on human torch for the most part right you kind of be like okay what but you've never considered like the downside of this or you know anything like that but because ben Grimm's in there like that i think gives them a gateway where they can at least touch upon some of like the the downsides of this the the darker pieces moments and stuff i agree with you know what you said and
2: i'd like to add it's kind of a bold move and i'm not convinced that it would work as well with a different actor I think Michael Chiklis does a very good job as the thing here and as Ben Grimm. Like I'm not I'm not convinced that with a a different actor that you'd really get that same emotional connection to the character.
3: Cuz like he in this movie did was is his, his suit was like a I mean his transformation that was like practical effects.
0: I'm pretty sure. I
3: yeah, know, like a guy in a rubber it might be suit
0: CGI enhanced might be CGI enhanced a bit, but I think it's primarily practical.
1: Yeah, the only thing I couldn't tell was maybe the mouth. Although that looked practical too. I didn't see anything CGI about it, but I couldn't quite figure out how that worked. Because I don't think it was just his mouth.
0: You you couldn't figure out how a mouth worked.
1: (laughs) Sometimes it's open, sometimes it's shut. Syllables are coming out all over the place.
3: Can't explain that. It opens, it closes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like the beating rock heart. Oh yeah, yeah. That, was, that was that was a nice touch on the special effects side. I,
0: think I was, mean, I, I I do think of the three versions of the thing that the you know in movies, right? This is probably the my particular favorite. I think for me, this is the one that looks the best.
3: Yeah, I I definitely like the way they did him in, in this movie. You just got a real sense of you know that he's like rock, actually made of rock. Feels very real.
1: And I think one of the things about the '94 version that we agreed on was that the costume there was pretty good too like a lot better than we expected for the thing
0: i guess i think i'm sort of comparing to the 2015 version of the thing i think it's not nearly as good yeah it just just leans a little too heavily into the rock look i think fun fact uh when jack kirby initially was drawing thing for like the initial fantastic four comics uh he his intention was not to make thing look like he had Rocky skin was to make him look like he had plates or scales almost for skin. Oh, Oh. And then I think one of the, uh, inkers changed it so that it looked like rock more than like plates. And Kirby liked that enough that he like started incorporating that into his pencil drawings. Okay. But I think for me, the, this version of the thing strikes a nice balance where it's like Rocky, but it's not like too Rocky. And it's, you know, I like the orange tints, you know, that's pretty, that, that reads, Ha ha ha, sorry. That reads reasonably well, if you'll pardon the pun.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't look too foamy either. That's the other thing I'm worried about with that.
0: What did you think of the Mr. Fantastic's special effects?
1: So I think the startling thing about this movie for me is the disparity between the bad special effects and the good special effects. There's a lot of good stuff here, but that was not one of them. Like whenever he started to stretch it it was very cartoony. I mean the stuff with his face I think was okay but definitely his arms. I don't know you didn't uh, you didn't see the,
0: <laughs> the horror show deleted scene that we saw. Oh no. Cool. <laughs> Not at all. Oh gosh. There's a so apparently they got yeah. Hugh Jackman in or like used as likeness or something so at one point instead of like making his jaw really big he transforms his face into wolverine (laughs) okay but it's sort of like a half cg blend it's (laughs) really horrific.
3: it's gonna be tough not to see when i close my eyes okay
2: (laughs) it's like if somebody was playing saints row And they used the character creator to, as best as they could, approximate Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Okay. Like, it's that level of horror.
0: (laughs) All right. So, yeah, that notwithstanding. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing was for me watching Mr. Fantastic was on the one hand, I was like, oh, that does look really cartoony and kind of crap. But then I was like, (laughs) but then I was like, but wait, what would it actually look like if someone could do that? Like, yeah. I guess it it would would look gross. Totally gross.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You just use the stretch Armstrong.
0: I I wasn't convinced that you could do Mr. Fantastic's stretching power and not have it look like that. Right? Like I I didn't know what the more realistic version of that would even look
3: like. Like do his pores get really huge or does he get (laughs) a lot of pores?
0: Right, like is it get like what happens to his bones? Do they get really angular? Are they just
3: gone? Like you <laughs> Do they know, get like, really do they get like thin and hollow?
1: Yeah. <laughs> then what about the uh, twenty fifteen version? If you've seen that, do you remember what
0: that was like? Like part of the problem I think with the twenty fifteen Fantastic Four is that they're leaning really hard into like the horror angle almost. And so they want this stuff, I think, to look as nasty as possible. Oh, interesting. And I'm pretty sure Mr. Fantastic's no exception. And But you're just like consciously just like, oh, gosh. Oh. But it's partially because in that movie, like for a while, like he can't control it. And he's just sort of like flopping all around. That's a really interesting point I hadn't thought about. I don't know what it
1: should have looked like. I've got no alternative.
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, if you want the stretching power to actually look anything like the comic like what does that leave you (laughs) yeah Hmm. so i don't know maybe maybe it's a thing about integrating it better with the live action or something maybe that would be like the only main thing you could do but because maybe it just looks a touch too obviously cge because of just like other things like you know maybe lighting or something that stuck out to me the spaceship
1: docking scene stood out as very i mean we just watched man thing sort of like sci-fi channel cg almost Which is just weird because a lot of the other stuff I thought was great. Like, Sue Storm's stuff was fine. Like, I didn't find any fault in particular with that. But Human Torch, I think, was the best part as far as the CG.
0: It was a real step up from 1994. (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe (laughs) this is another comparison issue. (laughs) Oh, man. The
2: spinning and punching at the end of that movie. (laughs) As far as, you know, how it looks, um, I think maybe special effects wise, it needed more care or maybe more advanced technology on the lighting side of things, like possibly better than what they had available at the time. Mm. But it it didn't make me it didn't pull (coughs) me out of the movie. Like you just kind of looked at and said, well that looks kind of cartoony, but whatever. One thing which we talked about during the kind of pre-gaming before the recording, I feel like if we're you know talking about real world stuff, Elon Musk like the the actual real like real world human Elon Musk feels like the real world version of Doctor Doom from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that? At all? Or do you just want to let that sit there? <laughs> I could go either way.
3: I mean, as soon as you mentioned that, I like early in the movie, I couldn't couldn't unsee it through
4: the whole. Thing. <laughs>
2: You know Dr. Doom's got his trouble with the with the bankers, and Elon Musk has got his trouble with the short sellers you know they they both uh seem to have inflated self opinions true ah uh, they they were both losing hair they're both sending things into space you know i mean Elon Musk had hair plugs but yeah both both space entrepreneurs
0: okay both uh caught smoking weed by their by their board. <laughs>
2: Wait, that didn't happen in this movie.
0: You're right. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry, Doctor Doom. I didn't mean to slander your good name. Yeah,
3: jeez. <laughs> Fool, Doctor Doom does as he pleases.
2: <laughs> right? Elon Musk does as he pleases.
3: He's even to he even toots his horn. You know, it, it all makes
4: sense.
1: <laughs> I uh. Just a random note. This got me twice. The first time when I watched it, part of it on cable. And again, now where in the scene where Reed Richards is proposing to Susan Storm when he gets down on his knees and then we see the next shot with him standing up both times. I was like yelling at the screen that it was a continuity error. (laughs) (laughs) And then it turns out he's just stretching and like, yeah, so they got me both
0: times. I thought it was funny. (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. So ultimately, what did you think of the movie? Uh, would you would you send it out into space never to return, or would you bring it back to Earth to have more fun adventures?
3: <laughs> I guess Oh, so we're we're past failing this one. Uh-huh. Are
2: <laughs> you asking if we're going to
0: going to planet Hulk this movie? <laughs> yes. All right.
3: So I guess so going to
1: get
0: a zero I or a one. how many cosmic storms would you give this movie
3: so there was i actually for one reason or another came into this movie with kind of low expectations and i think that sort of shaped how i saw it meaning i it was actually better than i was expecting there were some things i liked about it in terms of like you know the the goofy character interactions um, you know, I, I think like sort of the extended origin story in this case works, even though maybe having a movie like this in 2018 would be difficult to do because we've just had too many superhero movies. But let's uh, say overall, I uh, I enjoyed it, and I'll give it I'll give it 6.5 Cosmic Storms out of 10.
0: So for you, this is on par with like Hulk and Blade 2.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was about that level of enjoyment for me. In very diff- in a very different way, but some something like that.
0: Okay. Uh yeah, for me like I said, um I mean, I think it's always been the case that I've liked this movie more than the general critical consensus has been. And I, as I said earlier, I think a large part of that is because I I've, I've got a lot of time for the interplay between the Fantastic Four members among the Fantastic Four members, whatever. So I think where this movie just doesn't quite 100% land for me is uh, I think the the Von Doom stuff. The Doom stuff could be stronger. Although like the Doom stuff is sort of built up by like, oh, he's trying to like, you know, separate them and like take them out individually. It just doesn't quite feel, I think, as big and epic as they maybe wanted it to feel. Like that part just feels a little flat to me. And then it's just like, oh, yep well, we we beat him. It took us three minutes once once we all got together. No problem. (laughs) Which I guess is kind of the point, but from like a dramatic standpoint, it's a bit like, oh, okay.
3: Yeah, it really was more a story about the Fantastic Four resolving their differences amongst each other, yeah, and their powers than actually about like fighting an outside force.
0: Right, and so I think that's I think it works, in I in that respect. But I think you know because Doom is just sort of so iconic as a comic book character, and I just don't think he's gets you know the full service that he deserves here. I guess my initial feeling is that I would give this uh, 7 Cosmic Storms out of 10. Except for me, that also puts it around the level of like Hulk and Daredevil's director's cut. Um, and I think I like this movie a little bit better than that. But then 7.5 puts me at Blade 1.
4: <laughs> mm.
0: I'm going to say that this gets 7.5 uh, Cosmic Storms out of 10. And then if we have to... You know, recalibrate everything down the line. We'll just shift some stuff. Because I think every time I look mm-hmm. at the fact, you know, looking back on it, every time I look back at, like, what I gave Blade a 7.5, every time I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, I didn't give that an 8? I thought <laughs> I just gave that an 8. Yeah, same. Yeah, maybe,
1: like, every 30 movies or so, we should <laughs> have, like, a mini episode where we recalibrate
0: everything. Like a bonus episode, because it'd probably be boring to listen to. It'd be fun to do, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> uh. But then Spider Man's also an eight. Is Blade as good as Spider Man? Mm. I don't know. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna live with seven point five for Fantastic Four. I'll put that at the level of Blade, and we'll sort it out when we're sixty
4: five.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of having the same sort of trouble that Adam's having, where it's like I'm trying to decide: do I give it a seven point five, or do I make it yet another eight alongside X Men, Spider Man, Spider Man Two? And like, do I do I need to feel bad about handing out too many of the same rating to to different movies?
3: No, I mean, but in I think in like five more movies we're gonna all be forced to be giving every single one of them a seven point five. So,
0: Charlie, <laughs> he'll just stick with four. <laughs>
3: <laughs> a solid four for me.
2: <laughs> It'll be on cinema. Everything gets five bags of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Small complaints aside, I, th- I think I have to give it eight cosmic radiation storms. Oh, OK. Like, I actually enjoyed it more this time than when I saw it, you know, a decade ago or so. I just have, I guess, more appreciation now. <laughs> Having seen the movies that have come since, I have more appreciation for what they were doing here, for the style and the fact that on the whole, it worked very well.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of what I meant, that I thought this might actually be a movie that's aged kind of well in that regard. And that it's not grim, dark like a lot of the stuff around it. And which was really in fashion at the time because of things like, you know, Batman Begins and whatnot.
2: Yeah, see, I, I, I'm almost tempted to uh, start doing some research and see if Batman Begins had a direct impact on the critical opinion, the contemporary critical opinion.
0: Sure. All right, Charlie. Um, Hit us with your 4. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I would say my rating's actually gone up, not only with rewatching it, but just the discussion we've had because I think you've all pointed out a lot of good points of the movie that I hadn't picked up on. I was initially going to give it a rating of 5. I remember just not being terribly impressed the first time I saw it or on
0: Like you mean before you rewatched it, you Correct. were going to give it a 5?
1: Yes. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. Whew.
1: I think some of the good parts do kind of point out some of the bad parts, though. Like, I liked all of the Ben Grimm stuff and concentrating on his story, but just made me realize that some of the other characters were given short shrift. Like, I didn't really buy a whole lot of the stuff between Reed Richards and Susan Storm. It was kind of almost just thrown in there. It just—I it, think it suffers from the fact that you're having to be introduced to the origin story of four characters, and their origin story is the same, but their powers are different. And how do you get everybody? in the movie like i agree with everything you're saying about dr doom as well he's just ben grimm kind of put all of that into focus for me where it's like ah i really like what they're doing here and i wish the other characters had had the opportunity to have more of the story about them as well but then how do you make the thing not in two hours and 30 minutes I, I don't know okay
0: so I- ignoring you know time constraints what would you do to flesh out like the reed richard Sue storm relationship like what more did you want there? They
1: just simply don't reveal what the reason they broke up was, and that's the conflict. It's not like there's a greater sense we're not getting a greater sense of the reason why until she just suddenly states it later. So it's sort of a one-note relationship oh, problem. I... And I mean it's fleshed out via like seeing their, you know, how he reacts to her, but
0: I mean I think we're partly meant to be left in the dark kind of the way Reed's sort of clueless about it, right? Like yeah. he, he he also knows that it went wrong and he's trying to be a better, you know, the, the bigger man about it. But I don't think he necessarily really understands what went wrong.
2: Yeah, like when you go to the, the source material, the comic books, um, a lot of the times the way that's kind of characterized is that, you know, Reed Richards, genius man of science, isn't really good at understanding people. And I think that's what they were really just trying to show here. So
1: i don't know if i have a good explanation for what i would have done i don't know it's hard when one character i think when one character was just given a lot more to work with and the story just worked so much better for me than the rest of it now all the things you guys were pointing out i think raised me up to 6.5 cosmic storms out of 10 i don't think it's i think it's definitely better than the 1994 version and i liked it a lot better on this watch than i did the other times I've seen it, mm, six point five from Charlie, a near perfect score.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so for um, you, so, so for you, this is as good as Daredevil directors. Yeah, another one that kind of surprised me. Okay, but not quite as good as X Men two that you for some unconscionable reason only gave a seven to. I, I still
1: I still gave that's a lower score than X Men two.
4: <laughs> yeah, did you have a so relatively bug I or can't something?
1: be uh, criticized, but in an absolute <laughs> sense, I suppose I can.
0: yes i had kidney function issues that day (laughs) all right well thanks for joining us uh here in installment 21 of the mary marvel movie march we're going to be moving on next time to 2006 and our only 2006 movie Hmm. that is the sequel x-men the last stand the third x-men movie which means uh charlie gets to do all the research about brett ratner oh fun and ellen <laughs> page and that whole thing okay because i feel like we should probably at least mention it <laughs> yeah i think so that's our show don't forget you can check us out on facebook just like the gobesky wallace report and you can also follow us on twitter at gw report and
1: check out our website the that's probably
0: the important bit
1: well yeah i guess all the other links are there so if you remember one thing remember that (laughs) not your
0: name but gobeskywallace (laughs) report.com more important than your name I mean, it's also the case that, for whatever reason, when I try to picture the 94 Fantastic Four, I really just picture Tobias (laughs) Funke in the Fantastic Four outfit from Arrested Development. But uh, yeah, this thing, better than that thing. (laughs) It's your favorite thing.
3: And now you have a podcast. This thing (laughs) is better than that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about it.
0: Nice. Hamburgers or hot dogs? (laughs) You decide. How about hot dogs as hamburgers? Oh. That's not this or that though. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking the format of the show.
3: <laughs> so soon. <laughs> it just started.
2: Well, I'm completely lost. <laughs> I guess it's I guess it must just be aimed at a niche audience that I'm not a part of. <laughs>
1: yeah, the three of us. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like I'm really envisioning like you know like the like a brat burger but it's hot dog. Yeah. And that's <laughs> kind of great. Like I I'd, I'd try it. it <laughs> our, it's probably not that our, different like a spam sandwich or something but you know. Oh, gross.
0: Now, but the question is do you put a hamburger toppings on it or hot dog toppings or both?
3: I guess that depends on the other debate of what hot dog toppings are.
0: Well, if it's if you're opening
2: a restaurant in Chicago, and you put ketchup on it, they'll burn you to the ground.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to go oh, out on a limb well here and say,
3: and say they're wrong. <laughs>
0: ketchup and hot dogs are fine together.
3: I don't put anything on hot dogs. <laughs> I just I, I just, like them in buns. Oh, I might put shredded just, Oh, so you
0: just treat them like a suppository? <laughs> yeah,
3: I just... <laughs> you like them in buns? Straight in.
2: <laughs> do you chew them first, or do you just
1: sort of... Open up your throat and let it slide down.
3: Oh, I skipped that whole step altogether. <laughs>
1: you do the sort of like uh, Kobayashi dip it in water first <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we are we doubling down on the
2: suppository thing here? <laughs>
3: <sighs> Not chugging hot dogs. That's what we're <laughs> Why isn't
0: that in a jackass movie?
4: <laughs> oh
2: Please tell me this is going to get cut and used in a tag show. It's possible. <laughs>
0: at the right length. <laughs> well, oh.
3: That's why it took me so long to say it. I was like, yeah, are we going to go here?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> like Thinking about it for like 30 seconds.
2: Well, well I, kept so so with my name. I kept nudging you. I kept nudging you.